Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. To the boldness, our first show back for a very long t- time due to c- due to COVID and uh, not being able to work out technology. But we're back. My name's F- Phineas Mir, and I'm joined by Raphael Caleb. But just before I introduce him, I should just say the boldness is about grabbing your human rights, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. Hello, hello, Raph. How are you? Well, the virologist is in the house and we are recording. It's great to be back on 3CR, bringing disability current affairs to the community. Now on tonight's show, we're going to have a chat about how has COVID-19 affected the disability community? Starting with you, Finn, what do you think? Um, well, the the COVID-19 for myself personally, I haven't really noted, I have, to my, my, to my, for my life personally, I haven't really noticed uh, much of a change because I'm not really that social or I'm, and I'm not really going out a whole, a whole lot. So um, my life hasn't really, really changed that, that much. And I guess for me, I've had, um, both, uh, I've got a good friendship uh, network and good um, f- family around me to provide support. So, in a sense, I'm quite privileged. Also, my disability is is such that I'm not really in a high, the high risk category for COVID. But I know a lot of people within the disability and chronic illness commu- community are definitely. Um, adversely affected and at high risk so uh, you know i'm i'm fully aware of the the privileged position that that i'm in and i hope to um provide useful information for people who aren't so privileged as well as um the the um able body community who might not understand the the pressures people with disabilities are under what about you raf Oh, well, look, it's my world is just completely closed in, literally. I am a complete extrovert. My gym is closed. There's nowhere for me to perform. <laughs> I haven't seen, I've seen my kids 
three times in the past five or six months. They're all adults. Mm. I usually would catch up with my former in-laws once a week week and we would share a meal together. I get on very well with my former sister-in-law, brothers-in-law. Everything has been taken away. But that's actually, that's just the practical aspects of uh, COVID-19. For me, it was about, I think it's in the past probably three or two months, I've been a couple of kilometres once a fortnight to do some shopping. Outside that, I have not left a radius of 400 metres from my house in this over the past few months. And I've watched more television in the past five months than I have in the previous 50 years of my life. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that necessarily is a, a, a good or a bad thing, but I, I, people with disabilities have, or disabled people have been struggling a lot um, with COVID-19, uh, as well as your good self-raff in that app. People, I think people haven't been able to. Uh, I know that people with disabilities Australia did a survey where they looked at uh, to, where they looked at COVID and its impact on people with disabilities, and they found that people with disabilities couldn't afford, um, were, were struggling to afford even groceries, PPE, and general things to keep them safe, and. I think that's been a real problem for people. I think also governments haven't really factored in um, people with disabilities who are at high risk settings. I mean, people didn't even the government didn't even consider um, put put or put it putting in the particularly the Victorian government didn't even bother addressing the the um, data of people in in disability settings and uh, and and the and their covid infection numbers uh, they did it well within the aged care system but not so well with disability uh, and also the the federal government didn't even bother to have a p- plan to uh, or didn't include people with disabilities in their c- in their COVID plan, which they said that they've had all along. So it's been, from from that point of view, people with disabilities haven't re- really been considered much. And it re- really is a, f- a failing, especially because people with disabilities are among the, the most v- people at high risk and, and vulnerability of getting COVID. So, um, I, for one, am uh, very disappointed uh, with government responses. I mean, they have uh, the. It seems now that, that the the infection rates of people within the disability settings have uh, and now and are now getting under control, which is a good thing. But um, but you know these things really should have been considered and factored in from the beginning and and it seems they weren't look and i wouldn't disagree with you there finn is that there were changes to 
the Centrelink allowance or job seeker, job keeper. I've lost track of what all the names are. People with who are, let's say, on a disability support work or disability support pension, for example. What actually happened as far as this goes? Now, I'm not too sure about other people. There was the two $750 supplements that were rolled out and people did receive them. That makes a total of $1,500 which people did receive. However, if a person was on other Centrelink payments, their rates were actually increased. This did not happen for people with a disability who at the best of times, you are making a very big generalisation, they have a very low income at the best of times, let alone at a time where a person has to go through and protective uh, equipment for, to protect themselves from COVID-19. Then doctors, quite often they might not be bulk billing. If they were going for outside specialists such as psychiatrists. Psychiatrists very rarely do bulk bill. I would say the same applies with psychologists as addition to these. And with all the closures of work, now, as far as employment goes, people with a disability, if they were working part-time or casual, casually, that income was actually taken away from as well. And to cap it all off, if a person with a disability was, let's say, on a JobKeeper allowance, the one where it's related to if they had part-time work outside, the government has already conceded that they will get overpaid and incur a debt on top of this, mm. but it doesn't register as a strike. But the average, but the person whose sole income is a disability support pension, well, thank you very much for two $750 bonuses making $1,500, we are proportionally a lot worse off than the rest of the community to begin with, without being kept straight out where people are just struggling to survive, let alone live. Yeah, it is, it is, it is very tough if you're not really given the, if you are given support but it, it's it's not enough support to to meet your daily needs and to live just a basic quality of life um it's it's interesting that i guess from the government's point of view it, it assumes that because people are receiving a payment then and the NDI, and the ndis on top of that Possibly that people's needs are being met, but for people that don't have the NDIS and are reliant on the DSP as their only form of support, then then you're right. Uh, that is, it, it really is a real struggle out there, and uh, that needs to be sort of that needs to be considered. Well, even with the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Hmm. My understanding, there are significant changes that are being spoken about from the <laughs> disability community. I am not too sure what the actual impact of this is, but
But I can just imagine, let's say, if there happened to be an independent assessor, which I believe there might be independent assessors coming, how is an independent assessor going to come in and say, Rat, I'm going to do an independent assessment for a person who has Asperger's syndrome without having access to case notes about the actual effect without doing another 25 hours of testing. It's not going yeah. to happen. Yeah. I, I think, uh, well, <clears throat> um, we were going to, well, we might come back to that uh, a, bit, a bit later on, but it, it is, I, yeah, it, I mean, the, the things are happening uh, within the NDIA that, and uh, NDIS, uh, particularly around, uh, you're right, independent functional assessments, which won't be good for, for the community, but uh, also we should just say there are some good things that COVID has brought to the disability community. Uh, that is that people have the people uh, now employers are saying that people can have uh, people can have functional people can have flexible employment. You don't have to go to the off. You don't have to go to an office anymore. You can you can uh, work from home and you can you can do you can do you can do a job in the hours that that suit suit you. So uh, that's a really that is a really good. That's a really good outcome, and that's something that people with disabilities have been calling for for years. It's just that employers ha haven't realised that that's impossible until you know everyone's been forced to work from home. So that's a good outcome. Something else that's really good, and I know it'll be close to your heart, Raf, is that <clears throat> arts festivals and. Uh, music gigs and uh, performance now is being streamed so that people who previously couldn't get to gigs or or due to disability can can now be seeing and be a lot more included in artistic life than than they were before there are some people seeing their favorite artists and uh, musicians perform for the first time ever and that is that's that's a fantastic byproduct of uh, covid and hopefully that continues in the future well i actually find that um topic very very kind of like controversial being uh, because i'm going to actually put another take on it because for me to generate other income it's actually around the pubs and the clubs and the live entertainment if I'm actually producing a live stream for people to watch, it is essentially for nothing. Simple. Well, there's no, uh, there's no income coming into it from that way. Any way I happen to look at it, mm. and I would kind of like it's all very well from a disability perspective about okay, there's more access and it's easier for people to actually watch people. But on the other hand, the arts industry is a $12 trillion industry per year. It has mm. received $250 million, which is going to cause, goes basically towards trades person. That's less than one, it's about one quarter of 1%. Yeah. But the actual people that were providing the entertainment weren't getting any of this. And they've got a, generally they've got a low income at the best of times. Hello universe. So not only can't I actually 
try to generate an income using my entertainment skills, such as in comedy and MC work and photography and film. I'm now surprised to provide entertainment to the rest of the world for nothing out of the goodness out of my heart when they get increased government support for doing other things. Hello. And yeah, I think that we're going to take a couple of community announcements. It's about half time, and we need to say a very big thank you to our program sponsor, Leisure Options. Let's hear from Leisure Options, and we'll be back very shortly. The Boldness would like to thank Leisure Options for their support of this program. Leisure Options creates barrier-free holidays and travel that liberate people with disabilities. To find out more, check out leisureoptions.com.au or find them on Facebook. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back to The Boldness Disability Current Affairs on 3CR. My name is Rafael Caleb, the virologist, and I am discussing with Disability Current Affairs with my our co-host, Finn Mir, and instead of getting caught up in this little entertainment question, let's move to something of more practical nature, such as the MDIA, or National Disability Insurance Scheme. Finn, what do you think? Yeah, um, well, Raph, the... Uh, the NDIS or the NDIA have recently announced that as of 2021, they'll be doing a functional assessment or independent functional assessment. This is different to what happens now. What happens now is people people can bring people make their uh, people bring their own medical assessment and allied health assessment to to prove their eligibility for the scheme. That's going to change from 2021, meaning that someone will have to uh, be, be seen by an independent uh, ass assessment or assessor and, and also have independent medical and allied health assessment made to them. And that will then determine their eligibility to access the scheme. Um, and these will these will these assessments will will take between one one to four one to four hours, and at the at that they may even take as little as twenty minutes. Now the government claims that this will this will help uh, determine this will help make the eligibility process faster, and also ensure that the that people get access to the scheme who need it um, but but activists have slammed this saying that people with disabilities only only get um, what, what that the period that the one to four hours is not nearly enough time to discuss the their needs uh, and that pe people require medical assessments with allied and medical assessment people they trust um, and that uh, that they've built relationships with and have a shared understanding of disability and you're just not going to get that with someone 
who you've just had a four hour or you know a one to four hour meeting with um and that's going to be a str struggle um you can't just box disability uh people have sp specific needs that need to be taken into account it's it's it might end up being a, a box ticking exercise rather than getting to know the actual person and their needs um also people are worried that the people people are worried that the, the um having to deal for people who've suffered uh abuse uh they're they're worried that having to deal with strangers and people people they don't know would would be uh traumatic for some people and so they would be unlikely to seek help um people also may be unlikely to sh share the full impact of their disability because they see it as having to just um ha having to just pass pass the tests so that they can at least get some supports so not really share the full extent of their disability so there are a number of uh there are a number of problems people with disabilities have surrounding um this functional assessment uh, um i encourage people to follow um both craig wallace sam connor and bonnie millen uh I, We'll put their Twitter handles in with the uh, show notes um, and for the podcast. And also there is uh, also some online activism which will be happening. You can follow that on uh, the NDIS Crawl Facebook page uh, where, where they'll go through what... Uh, the online activism was and its importance. So I think uh, it's definitely one, uh, th this issue of uh, independent functional assessments is definitely one to keep an eye on and uh, we'll hopefully get people to uh, talk about it in the future. So um, well, with, with that, Raf, I'd better ask you, because we're fast running out of time, I had better ask you what com communities what uh, community service announcements have you got about performances coming up? Well, look, there are a number of things that are coming up. Now, for example, our friends at Valid have been running a number of short story competitions, and I believe that they've been doing some workshops. Writers Victoria has got quite a number of organisations or workshop, how to improve a person's uh, creativity. Uh, Heidi Everett, who among other things is chairperson, she won the Access Inclusion Award at Melbourne Fringe last year with her play Qualia. She is running some free creativity workshops through the DAC Centre. I would suggest going to the DAC Centre and having a look to see what she does have on. One of the other big changes that has happened in community services, there has been a petition to add a fourth number to the triple zero number. This is the fourth line is to access mental health professionals. Heidi Everett did start that petition. 
we'll, I'll try to see if we can find a link for people to sign that petition. Well, that, that's the podcast. It's COVID-19. Let's be nice to absolutely everyone and make sure that people with a disability still have that strong, active activism that needs to go on to make sure that people with a disability are included. Laura Hershey said it very well in a poem years ago, nothing about us without us. And that is 100% correct. They're the ones that have actually been coming up. There's a music group coming up with Wild at Heart Community Art. They've got a program called, a festival called Unmute. That will be on the Mental Health Week. Phil Hoitzinger, the crowd director, has contacted me to organise interviews for that for the next show, which will be the 30th of September. And there's lots of things that are coming up. Melbourne Fringe Festival is a couple of months ago, but there are things that are coming up from a creative uh, point of view. A number of the councils have been running little mini online festivals, and there's quite a lot of coming up on Zoom as well. It's all happening around here. And that's just about where it's kind of like where it's actually at, Finn. Now, can we actually have three quick things? What have been the benefits, best things that have come out of COVID-19 for you? Uh, I think, I think a sense of, I think people trying, trying to look out for each other, I think is, is, is the best thing. I think people are getting it understood hopefully a greater understanding of what it's like for people with disabilities who have to isolate as a matter of course. Uh, and the third thing I would say is um, just having greater access to streaming and online events. And we have, um, yeah, so hopefully, um, hopefully uh, people get greater um yeah, hopefully p people get greater access to um, to to uh, st streaming and events, which will be uh, you know, which which will uh, include them. Well, is that yeah, my three problems that okay? Well, three very quick things. This is what I'd like to see: is that as far as Zoom meetings go, which is, seems to be the way most people are communicating, I really would like a third party to come to Zoom and say, yes, we will provide live transcripts so that deaf and disability community have much greater access, especially the deaf and hard of hearing community. There is four and a half million people in Australia, currently according to the ABS, who identify as being deaf or as part of the deaf and hard of hearing community. And the ABS projects that number will double to 9 million people by 2050. I'd like to think that if we're going to have to use um, Zoom, that people with who identify as the deaf and hard of hearing community are a big part of that discussion. It's extremely important that their voice um, is included. Thank you very much. And one personal thing that happened well for me is that I came and found us the picturing Footscray photo competition. Thank you very much, picturing Footscray, for putting that one on. And the best part about it was I actually had an hour video call with my younger son, and it was the first time I'd seen him in about five months. He's 26, 
absolute marvellous just to see his face. And we'll be back on the 30th of September. Let's go out with the song Runaway by Heidi Everett. Thank you very much. And keep listening to 3CR. And if you don't think the revolution has started, you're listening to the wrong station. <laughs>